and just like that, we are back to shoot the shit on Mind the Growth Podcast. <laughs> As always, who are you? I am Chris Kinghorn, and we don't have any topics. How are you, Mr. <laughs> Eric Hoffman? Mr. Eric Hoffman, you know what Welcome. Say. Another week, another another set of news stories that we can chat through. One thing that I've been thinking about lately, we were recording today's October 4th. The last, this is probably the most active monsoon season in Phoenix that I can remember for a long time. And I I own a house here. We're in an area called Arcadia Light and the power grid and the power system is pretty antiquated. So we have the above ground power lines and poles. Every time it seems like there's a gust of wind, our power goes out, which is the most infuriating thing ever, especially if you have young children who go to sleep at night and the house gets warm in monsoon season because it's usually pretty hot here. So one thing we've been thinking about is getting solar and backup power as an option to help combat that issue we're dealing with. So I've been getting these quotes from different solar companies, and it seems like the biggest scam in the world to me. Every single one of them, in order to even quote you, what they ask for is for you to send them your last utility bill or your average power consumption or how much you spend monthly. And what I'm guessing that every single one of them does is they try to figure out a way that you can pay roughly the same or a little bit less per month than what you're paying on average now, but lock you into a 20 to 40 year contract where you're paying off a bulk solar installation. So far, I've been getting quotes between a total of about $50,000 to get solar installed to about $120,000 to get solar installed. Same house, same, pretty much the same structure with minor detail differences because some people use like a Tesla Powerwall as a backup battery. Some people use an LG version that's uh, the same idea. But in general, I cannot seem to understand how these costs vary so much and what the actual cost of solar is or is supposed to be. I thought that was interesting and a good topic to jump off on. <laughs> what are your thoughts? So it's the exact same package or in theory, I mean, apples yeah, to apples ideally. in the sense between the $50,000 yeah. one and the $120,000 one. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. That in my head is, unless it's, you know, they call it a, a G-Shock versus a Rolex. My, that's a mind <laughs> yeah. reference at that point. But. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And uh, one thing that I've noticed some of the groups do is you get a federal tax rebate and a state tax rebate when you get solar installed. And for these systems, they amount to roughly anywhere from like 20 to 30 grand total on the bill to take off. Some of the companies, what they do is they put together a payment plan where it looks like you're paying much less than you would normally pay. So for instance, let's just say for argument's sake, my average utility bill is $300 a month. Mm -hmm. So I would get quoted, let's say $210 per month for this solar system to buy. But not only is it just for the first 24 months, so that's the price I'd pay for the first two years, but after that, they're basically telling me that we expect that you take those 
$30,000 in rebates and roll it into the remaining balance of what you owe. And then you'll only pay $260 a month for the next five years. And then after that, you'll pay $500 a month for the next 20 years. <laughs> you know, that sort of scheme where it looks very cheap up front, but if you stay in the house for a long time, you're kind of screwed. So, so it's with the tax this- with the tax rebate, do, is it so you said state and federal? Yeah. Is it a meaningful amount or it sounds like if you said $30,000 and roll that into paying off the note for the solar, if you don't pay off the yeah, solar, here. this is, this is what I'm going to do. Cause I'm like, okay, we're how, gonna, how could we do some arbitrage gonna- on this? If we take that $30,000 and if we invest it into, we can figure out how to pay these yeah. things off pretty quick. So I'm going to choose a random address. Okay. Let's just say. Do a Brandon's old address. What do you is have it? one? <laughs> a, hang on. I'll do I'll do my old address. Okay, perfect. Let's just say two fifty a month on average for my utility bill. Okay. So you can see here, this is through Tesla, by the way. So they're basically saying that for this house, they recommend this amount of power. So this is solar panels, and that cost alone is thirty nine thousand one forty four. The two Tesla batteries, so the backup power is 20,500. They give a $2,000 discount for whatever that is. Um, So the cash price total is 57,644. And then they're estimating a federal tax credit of 17,000 and change. And then in Arizona, solar tax credit, 1,000 and change. So that's a one-time deal. That's not... So yeah, this is their one-time thing. Okay. If they do... They'll do a 10-year loan, basically, at 5.44% APR, um, and that'll cost you 560 a month. So you're essentially paying double for the next 10 years what you would normally pay in your utility bills to purchase this plan. So Tesla's unique where they do this all transparently up front. This is the cost. I haven't actually spoken to anyone with Tesla, so... I don't know if there's any variation to this at all, because a lot of the other groups, they do like 20 or 30. Some have, I think, even do 40 year uh, loans on this sort of thing. And there's other companies that also lease the system to you where you're just renting it. They're getting the actual tax credit, which is a good business idea for a solar company is to just install it on someone else's roof and get all those free tax credits. <laughs> they can basically, probably depreciate the asset yeah, over time too. Exactly. What about yeah. maintenance? So you can, how does, you can lease it. Yeah. How does, how does maintenance and replacement? Cause you said 40 years, I don't know the lifespan mm-hmm. of a, of a solar panel. Um, and I'd have to imagine with some of the dust storms yeah. here and there's a lot of trees over in your area too. So if there's things falling on it, uh, if, if it gets hailed on, if there's damage, what does the maintenance structure look like? Yeah. So from my understanding, most of these companies have anywhere from like a 10 to 25 year warranty that it's really unclear. I haven't really dove too far deep into the warranty structure, but assuming there's a mechanical failure or some sort of issue that arises within that, let's just say 10 years for this example, uh, the company would likely replace it. I, I don't know, and I'd have to check if like, I think they call it an act of God or something in, in these warranties, like if a tree falls on it or there's a huge storm, one of them breaks, 
you may be on the hook for replacing that. I don't know. But yeah, I, I really have no idea what the durability of these things are. It's probably an important factor. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, the main goal is to be able to just have the solar power and the battery backups to be able to avoid power outages, which we have a lot of. We've had anywhere from like an hour outage to we had like 13 or 14 hour outage several months back, which is so ridiculous. So what if, and I'm assuming you can probably modify the the system as you go. What if you, what if you got a, a smaller amount of solar panels and an extra battery if you want that, yeah. that route, is that? So, yeah. So they, there's a lot of them that do this type of structure. And I think a lot of people due to the total cost, cause it's really expensive. They do like a partial, uh, solution where they have half the amount of panels and it's really meant to more offset your total bill. So ideally you'd save money over the long term. And most people don't live in their house for 25 to 30 years at this point. So usually you're, you wind up, you wind up passing the cost onto whoever winds up buying the house after you and, or you just pay off the, the balance with whatever you make on the house sale, depending on how you structure the sale. So I don't know. I, originally when we started looking a couple of years ago, a lot of them were recommending to me to do like a partial solution, which again, doesn't really interest me. The whole point that I'd want is to have the ability to have power backup when there's an outage. And so to your point, adding a, another battery is, is useless in a sense, if you have less panels, cause you can't store, you know, you can only store a finite amount of energy in those, in each of those batteries. So if you're not generating enough to store in, you know, three batteries or whatever it may be, that that would be a useless purchase. That's my understanding. So the way it works then is it's going to, the house is going to pull from the batteries first. And then once those are gone, it will pull from the grid. The solar panel then will recharge said batteries. Because yeah, I'd so be curious if you could have, if you could have the batteries kind of just sitting there full. And if there is yeah. some sort of outage, you know, maybe there's throughout the day, you've got supplemental energy coming from one or one and a half of the batteries and then you're saving a full battery or battery and a half in case there is an actual outage. Yeah, that might be an option. My What I've been told through talking to a few of these companies is the way that the they set up the whole structure of the panels on the roof is to basically not have you use any any power from the utility company. So when the when the sun hits the panels it's generating the power that you need in a given day on average and so the panels provide the energy directly to your utility box and then any overflow goes into the batteries first to fill the batteries like you said and then anything above and beyond that can be sent to the utility company to give you credits monetary credits and so if there's an outage then you would pull from the batteries obviously, because they're storing some of that energy. And you would usually only power a couple of things. Most in our case, we'd be powering the AC unit because it's going to be in the summer usually. And maybe the refrigerator and freezer so food doesn't spoil if there's a long outage, stuff like that, and maybe a few light fixtures. So from that perspective, I, I, I don't know if there's much flexibility in 
you know, modifying that. So I don't know the answer. <laughs> well, once you figure out your solar panel solution, then we got to start working on your Wi-Fi solution as well. Those kind of go hand in yeah. hand, but <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll be one of the utilities that will keep up and going. <laughs> we'll see. Move to Arcadia, they said. Yeah, ridiculous. So that, that's my uh, solar rant for the day. Um, what else is going on in the news? <laughs> well, we had a rally in the market the last few days. Yeah. Biggest S&P gain in the last two days since 2020, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, total stock market, uh, VTI, total stock market index for uh, Vanguard was up, was at 3.8% plus or minus, so just shy of 4%. Yeah. So is the last the last increase of interest rates was 0.75 so a quarter of a point three quarters of a point are we i was pretty confident that we're so we had the conversation when that happened everything dipped down i thought we were priced in now seeing it go back yeah. up a little bit i'm pretty confident that we were we were we were priced in at that point what happens if we get another 0.75 are we going to start tapering to to 0.5 to half a point. I'm curious to see CPI come out here. Uh, what is it? Not next week, the week after. It should be the 15th or 17th, something along those lines. Yeah. Who, who knows? I, I've i never really understood the whole priced-in theory because I just am not smart enough to know how to price these things in or know what to expect. Um, but there's also another news worthy item that's come out this week about Credit Suisse and Deutsche Bank. Have you seen the the hoopla on this? I've I've been so looped into our company the last <laughs> week. I have not I've had my blinders on. I've just been head down working. So you gotta you gotta fill me in. So yeah, I, I'm also not smart enough to know what's actually going on internally, but <laughs> apparently Credit Suisse which is Swiss uh, Switzerland's largest bank and Deutsche Bank, German, Germany's largest bank, are on the verge of defaulting and having uh, a lot of liquidity events. Similar, people are saying, to the Lehman Brothers moment in 2008 when Lehman Brothers collapse, collapsed. So um, there's a lot of there's a high volume of credit default swaps for both banks that are being reported on their books. And that's having a lot of people point to the risk of uh, implosion, (laughs) essentially. So there's been a lot of people in Europe that have been calling on the Fed in the United States to slow down on the interest rate hikes because that is causing a lot of this pressure on their systems, supposedly, Um, because the interest rate hikes, people are going to default on loans, and that's what the risk of credit default swaps is. That's what happened with the mortgage debacle in 2008. Everyone was underwater, and the banks and the people, you know, betting on these... um, mortgage-backed securities lost their shirts because people couldn't pay their mortgages. So I, that'll be another interesting data point to watch is whether or not the Fed responds at all to world politics and other large banks <laughs> that are having a difficult uh, time right now. So I thought that was an interesting thing. You should look into that. Anytime I hear credit default swap, I just think of the big short and I think of yeah. when they're at lunch and he's talking about CDOs 
And then <laughs> he's then talking about synthetic CD. It was at C- yeah, CDOs. Uh, and then synthetic, yeah. and he just has this most disgusted look on his face. <laughs> but it it's scary because um, yeah. we're we're the economy is it's not just the United States that's going to be affected by any sort of crash that that happens by a major country. It's not going to be just them that's affected. It's going to be us as well too, and then vice versa. Us continuing to push right. rates, it, it's inevitable. The the so hopefully Papa Pal starts listening to the global <laughs> ecosystem and doesn't uh we can't print paper like we used to, but we can't really just continue to do three quarter basis point hikes. That's just it's getting crazy. Or we could do what you suggested, let's go up three points at once. <laughs> or a point yeah, and a half. Just just run run the plane into the mountain. <laughs> We're not worried about nuclear yeah. bombs from Russia at that point. It's just <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And uh speaking of interesting news stories i just saw a few hours ago that elon musk apparently re-agreed to buy twitter at his original bid <laughs> so it seems like twitter has won the legal battle in this case and his attorneys are compelling him to not renege on the deal so that'll be an interesting turn of events and i'm curious to see how and when that'll wind up closing so what was another kind of building on that there was a um i don't what the sec isn't involved are they uh there was a handful of i don't think so yeah there's a handful of text messages that were that had Mm -hmm. to be recovered to and from elon essentially and yeah uh, in, in the discovery yeah and it has to do all these conversations are focused around the acquisition of twitter and Anybody from uh, David Sachs was in there. Um, that Larry Ellison was in there. Jack Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey was as well too. Yeah, the whole list was <laughs> it was pretty interesting. And and uh, I don't know what I was reading on a on a website. I don't remember what it was, but they were giving some context on some of the text and some quotes actually uh, from from what was said and what was was sent and what was received. So if you if you guys get bored, go ahead and check go ahead and check that out. There actually it's pretty comical in a sense, but there was some stuff that was. It just tells you how much goes on behind the scenes before stuff actually goes public. This Elon's been talking to people for quite some time about this. He he knew what he was doing. I feel like he ultimately knew he would be able to get it at the original price. Well, a lot of people, and in some cases me included, thought he would do this from the beginning and renege on the deal and then renegotiate a lower price. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like he was trying to push that with the whole claim of there being a higher percentage of bots, the bots on yeah. the on the platform, which I I don't know where we stand on that. <laughs> I get all messages all day long from crypto bots that want to sell me an NFT. So I think there's a lot of bots, but regardless, I I think that was his goal all along is to try and like publicly force them into a lower price point per share. Obviously, he failed, <laughs> so um, that's that, but we'll see how that plays out. One of my favorite tweets, or not tweets, one of my favorite text messages that came out was him and the new Twitter CEO, uh, Parag Agrawal, I think is his name. Oh, I didn't see that um, <laughs> It was really good. So the CEO was basically telling Elon like to knock it off with all of his tweets disparaging Twitter because he's trying to quote unquote do his job and clean up the the business in a sense. 
then Elon's first response to that was, what did you get done this week? Question mark. <laughs> and he didn't even answer the CEO. It was just like the perfect <laughs> uh, burn on the CEO of Twitter, who's probably not doing much work to begin with. No. So, okay. What I would love to see is, so before Twitch was a thing, Justin Kahn was the, uh, was the mm -hmm. founder of Twitch and um, his original idea was called Justin TV and his, him and his buddies I basically, remember. yeah, he strapped a camera on himself and <clears throat> just 24 seven was recording himself. Uh, I wish we could see that with Elon and then just have a little bit more context. If he could just tell us what's going through his head, just like a day yeah. or two, just really see what's going on inside the life and the mind of Elon. Yeah. Interesting anecdote about Justin TV. The only way I found out about that was it It became pretty big in 2010 when I was studying abroad in Barcelona. Oh, okay. And when you're when you're studying abroad or if you're in Europe in particular, in order to at that time, like stream content or movies or television shows or whatever, there were these uh aggregator sites and that's what justin tv was kind of pivoting into at the time was hosting these streams of you know, like illegal content not not anything bad i'm sure there were bad things on there but i was trying to watch movies and stuff and um <laughs> before there for completely the other idea. reasons eric's yeah. like i just want to watch a movie i'm trying to back out of that statement a little bit uh but yeah there there was justin tv and i think there's uh, do you remember that guy, Kim.com? Have you heard of him? No, no, I don't. Or I haven't. <laughs> He's this like huge, white, big, fat guy from New Zealand who started Monster TV, I think it was. What was the name of that? Monster TV, Kim. Uh, no, Mega Upload. So Mega Upload was it, the first to the scene. They were basically an aggregator site that would refer streams from one user to the next and so that's what a lot of people kind of like uh kazaa and Bearshare and those music streaming services back in the day and napster they did that with uh video content so mega upload was the big one and then justin tv kind of pivoted to do the same thing so kind of a roundabout story but <laughs> i would use justin tv for that reason when i was in europe and then a few years later, they pivoted to gaming, streaming, turned into Twitch, uh, sold for, I think, a billion dollars to Amazon. Yeah, it was just under a billion. History. Yep. Yeah. And then he was Crazy. at Y Combinator. Um, he yeah. He was for a little bit. I think he's doing angel investing and a handful of other things now. I used to follow his YouTube yep. channel. He's actually, he's an interesting guy. Yeah, he got, he got real spiritual in the last few years. Yeah. I saw he's at Burning Man. Yep. <laughs> Good for him. All right. What else you got? Anything? I am I am no value today. So this was the, uh, you, you are now signing off for the Eric Hoffman show. Thank you for listening. <laughs> all right. Glad to, glad to lift the, the load here. <laughs> to all the listeners, uh, I promise you, I will provide a lot more value next episode. If you haven't, subscribe, like, share, comment. Let us know how much you have spent on solar. <laughs> Sounds good. Catch you later. All right. Cheers.